say it's seasonal. It's seasonal. It's seasonal. Nothing lasts forever. The kids grow up so fast. Uh, it's amazing how this year is almost finished. It's seasonal. Things come, they go. They just come so quickly, and we need to cherish the moments. I'm so glad you are here. Uh, last week was kind of a, a seminar-type message, all right? So last week we kind of kind of eased into the holiday season last week. And uh, really, I should have charged for last week's message. It was just so practical about taking time and making the most of what matters most. But I'm glad you are back this week. We are going to kind of kick off a series, and it's going to sound similar because about a year ago when we started the church, we launched with a series entitled The Times and Seasons of Our Lives. If you've noticed, life is not static, is it? It has its ups and its downs. And maybe today, this morning, you're thinking, yeah, that's been this week. It's been a roller coaster ride with just kind of the events and what's been going on and what's happening. Or maybe this year has just been one of those years where you're just like, I don't know what happened. It just seemed like we were in February and already it's December. I need to go Christmas shopping. It's just been a busy time. But I got a revelation this week, and this is from God, okay? And I got this revelation, and it was like God was speaking to me, and he wanted me to tell you something. He wanted me to tell you that if you'll come every Sunday in December, he will cancel out all the trans fat that you eat over this holiday season. You can eat all the junk food you want. No, no, this is real. This is real. This is a revelation from God. That you can eat all the junk food you want. You can spend all the money, and it, doesn't, it won't affect your credit card, your credit score, or your waistline. That's pretty good, right? If only it were true. If only it were true. We like to have fun here. Don't take ourselves, we don't take ourselves seriously. It's church. We can be relaxed and enjoy the time being together. I'm glad you are here. Um, some of you said, I didn't know you could sing, and now I know you can't sing, Pastor. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. So we, we apologize. We had to make some last-minute adjustments. And if you hear that humming, that is not us, okay? That's this, the theater. They, we, they tried to fix it. They just weren't able to. So if, if you're wondering, you're like, oh, man, what is that sound? Is that just me? No, it's all of us. So you just kind of bear with us this morning. And we're going to be in the book of Luke, chapter number two. If you didn't bring your Bible, that's fine. It's going to be in your worship guide, or it'll also be on the screen, okay? So we're going to be in Luke, chapter number two, and we're going to kick off a message that's entitled, It's Seasonal. We're in a series entitled, I Won't Survive the Holidays. And really, my goal this Christmas season is to unburden you. We didn't plan a lot of activities. You didn't see on our church calendar Christmas cantata, children's play, adult Christmas party, teen Christmas party, college and career Christmas party, uh, 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 senior saints Christmas party. We just, we just kind of wanted to unburden you. Isn't life just busy enough without having to run everywhere? I mean, it just seems like if you could clone yourself maybe a dozen times, maybe you could get your to-do list done. Doesn't just feel like that. And so this morning, I, as we kind of jump into this series, I just don't want to throw on all this stuff on you. I actually want to help you and encourage you so that Christmas can become that wonderful time that it really should be and really is. We haven't done this in a while, but would you, out of respect for the Word of God, would you stand as we read just the first seven verses in Luke chapter number two? We're going to read just the first seven verses, and then we'll be seated. The Bible says in Luke chapter number two, and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus, that the world, that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. 
And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. It's amazing. The most spectacular, the most um, life-changing event happens, and it happens so succinctly, and it's kind of just so simple. And she brought forth a baby. She brought forth a son. It happened, and it's just kind of like Scripture just keeps on rolling. I've learned some of the biggest, most memorable moments aren't the big banner moments, are they? Some of my favorite moments as a father are the simple moments of just holding my children. Some of my favorite moments with my wife aren't the moments where it's like, hey, we planned a cruise, a vacation. It's those simple moments, maybe just a walk. Maybe it's just those, those times when you're just, you're just, you're in your devotions with God, and it's like God just, you weren't expecting him to just kind of open the word, and it just spoke to you. So maybe this Christmas season, you're thinking, you know what, for it to be a really good Christmas season, it's got to be big, baby. I mean, it's just got to be fireworks and all for it to be a good Christmas season. I want you to see that some of the most profound moments happen in some of the smallest moments. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for those that are gathered here. I pray that this morning you would help us as we look at this passage. I pray that it would speak to our hearts as we realize that life, it's seasonal. It comes and it goes. So help us, Lord. The psalmist wisely said, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. And I pray that we would, we would count the days and we'd make the most of the moments that do count. And I pray that you would use this message to speak to hearts. We love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. It's seasonal. Touch a neighbor once again and say, it's seasonal. It's seasonal. When you walk out of here, I want you to have that one thought on your mind. It's seasonal, okay? What you're going through, it's seasonal. And I think for many of you that have teenagers, that's an amen right there. It's seasonal. For some of you, maybe you've got a newborn, and the newborn just doesn't sleep through the night. I want to let you know, it's seasonal. Maybe you're going through something with your work. I want to let you know, it's seasonal. Maybe there's a health challenge. I want you to know, it's seasonal this morning. It's seasonal. But here's the reality. Because these seasons, they just constantly come and go. How do we deal with the seasons we didn't select? I mean, come on, let's be real now. If you and I could, we would kind of plan certain seasons. If I could get rid of winter, I would. Maybe that offends you. I would get rid of it. It would be spring and fall. Those would be our seasons, okay? I would keep those two seasons. You say, why? Because I like football. I've got to keep that in the fall. And then in the spring, it's just a nice time of year, okay? So those would be the seasons I'd keep. But the winter time, with everybody getting sick and colds and busy and the roads are, are dangerous and car accidents and all that, I would just skip it. That's just what I would do. But let's be more practical. I would skip the seasons where I have to go through difficulties and challenges. And if you were honest, you'd like to skip those seasons too. You would like to say, how can I avoid this season? Hey, can my kids just go from like being two when they're cute and just kind of like fast forward, you know, the difficult moments and get them when they're cute again? Or maybe you're looking at your teenager or maybe you're looking at your daughter and thinking, man, if I could just have them when they were two again, this would be really great. If we could just go back and just kind of freeze time. But, but life is seasonal and we need to know how to deal with the seasons. In Ecclesiastes, the writer wisely said, he hath made everything beautiful in his time. That right now you may be in a season that's not a very favorable season to you. You may be in a difficult season. 
But I love how the writer said, God has made everything beautiful in his time. That God is working in your season, in your time, and he will make it beautiful. Right now, you're saying, no, 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 pastor, it's a burden. But God says, hang with me, and you'll see the beauty in this burden. I'll reveal it to you. And we're going to see that this morning. But looking at this passage, would you realize first and foremost, I may not know the reason for this season, but I can control my response. And we need to kind of go back to Luke chapter number one, verse number 26. I hope you don't mind. We like to read the Bible and study the Bible around here. And so in Luke chapter number one, you see kind of an interesting dialogue between Mary and the angel Gabriel. And Mary gives this profound answer because right now you may be thinking i get why maybe my friend is going through their trial their difficulty i just don't understand why i'm going through mine like i don't understand why i had that unexpected bill i don't understand why my child is sick i don't understand why that person passed away i don't understand why god you're treating me like this so how do i deal with my season how do i how 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 do you want me to deal with this and maybe you came in here this morning just thinking hey i don't know the reason for this season now you've heard that term you're gonna hear it a lot jesus is the reason for the season the christmas season but what's the reason for your season because if we were to stop church stop the music stop the preaching and i was just a hand of mic and we just go person by person you could all take hours talking about the season that you're in and it's very different For each of us, and for some of us, it's very difficult. This week for many of you has been a very difficult week. My heart has been burdened for many of you. Spent time with many of you this week. There are some deep hurts and trials and difficulties represented in this room. So how do we deal with them? And I can't control the reason, but I can control my response. Notice in verse 26 where this passage picks up with Mary. It says, and in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel went forth from God under the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary and basically Gabriel's going to tell Mary you are going to have a son and she says wait a minute hold on um I know how this is supposed to happen but um I'm engaged to be married but I'm still sexually pure so how am I supposed to give birth we're engaged but we're not married yet so how's this going to happen she's confused and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit says I'm going to take care of that. All right, okay. And then notice her response, okay? Because you've got to understand, when we see the nativity scene, we see like a grown woman. Mary was in her teen years, not 22, 23. She's a young girl. Here she is, lower in the caste system, um, her, not very affluential. And here she is, and here this angel comes to her and says, you're going to get pregnant. And in that day and age, They could stone you if you were doing some immoral activity. They could stone you. So here's a girl who's engaged to be married. Now she's supposed to be pregnant. But then she's supposed to go to her friends and say, it's okay, I'm pregnant, but God got me pregnant. And her friends are going to be like, I know what you're doing. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's what's going to happen. Let's just be honest, okay? They're going to be like, this is not normal, all right? I know exactly what you're smoking, all right? And so how is that argument going to go? I mean, can you imagine you're at the party? Oh, there's Mary. Yeah, no, no, just avoid it. She thinks God got her pregnant, all right? She doesn't know how this happened. And so here's this awkward situation, and you find yourself probably not in that kind of a situation, but in a difficult, awkward situation where you're just kind of like, God, I don't know how to, how to, uh, the reason. But notice in verse 38, I love this about Mary. And Mary said, behold, 
the handmaid or the servant of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. Jesus said, that's my response. My response isn't to fight it. My response isn't to get upset. It's not to say, hey, wait a minute, this is ruining my wedding plans. Her response was, okay, if that's the will of God, then be it unto me. Then do it. Then let it come on me. Let it happen because I'm submissive to the will of God. What a great example for us this morning. Viktor Frankl, who was a Holocaust survivor, he has this great quote I put in your notes. Between stimulus and response, there is space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. Here was a man who in the the Auschwitz prison, they would strip him naked. They would beat him. He lived on nothing, barely survived. And here that one, his one thing was, hey, they could take away everything from me, but they can't take away my choice, my power to respond. And this holiday season, you're going to be tempted to have the wrong response, aren't you? Come on, you've hit traffic. Come on, somebody stole your parking spot. Come on, somebody took that gift you had on layaway. Come on, some relative showing up that you didn't plan for, you didn't want them to come. Come on, something's going to happen, and the only thing you can do is to choose your response. And I'm going to give you real quick a couple of responses. You say, well, I'm in a difficult season, so in a happy season, praise God. Praise God. When you're in a good season, praise God. And that's why we're out here. If you've got a blessing, don't be afraid to share it with somebody because we'll rejoice with you. We'll praise God with you. If something good happens to you, I want to be the first to know, not because I'm jealous, but because I want to enjoy your blessing with you. I want to celebrate with you. Uh, you get a new car, give me a ride. You know, I mean, you got, you got season tickets to the 49ers. Come on, I'm your buddy, all right? As long as we go after church, all right? It's real hard for me to be at two places at once. But I'm telling you what, I want to share and rejoice in your blessing. So in a happy season, praise God, in a difficult Difficult season, seek God when you're going through the difficulties. Hey, in a quiet season, worship God. When you have that extra season where there's not the distractions coming on to you, that's a time to say, I've got time to seek God, and it's distraction-free. I won't be pulled. My attention won't be distracted. Remember, we learned about that last week. I'm not going to be pulled in different directions. So I can seek God in a painful season. Trust God. And that right there is a difficult time for many of us. It's difficult when we're in the painful season to trust God and what he's doing and to, and, to, and to let him have his way. The Bible says, trust the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. But it's this complete trust. It's this complete just saying, okay, God, I give this to you. But then I like this. In every moment, in every moment, thank God. In every moment, thank God. Whatever state you may be in this morning, can you walk out of here and say, I'm going to thank God for it? Because your season, get this now, can be affected by what you say. Your season can be affected about what you say. So what are you saying about your season? Man, this season's awful. I, I, man, I wouldn't wish this season on my cat. Maybe, maybe my cat, you know. Uh, real quick, okay, this is irony. This has nothing to do with message. I'm going to throw it out there. I hate cats. I really do. You know that. I think the, the devil and the cats have things in common because the Bible says cats are a roaring lion. They're in the feline family, and cats are feline. So there's a connection between the devil and I mean, so, so I don't like cats, but my brother has cats. And get this. God has a sense of humor. We were at my brother's house for Thanksgiving, and he has cats. And Austin loves cats. 
I said, boy, you are no boy of mine. No, sir. I said, it's time. You're out. Forget waiting to 18, man. Two years old. Pack your bag. You're out. You like cats? So he's begging me for a cat. So don't you dare buy the pastor a cat, okay? I'm telling you what, there is another church or another theater that you will need to go to if you give me a cat, all right? But you're going through a seat and you're saying, I, I, I don't know what to say about it. You know what? Say something positive. Speak something encouraging instead of being such a downer. All right. Mary said, hey, whatever God wants, let it happen to me. Notice, secondly, I may not like the circumstances surrounding this season, but I can stay committed. Because for some of you, you're going to be tempted in this season to say, peace, I'm out, I'm done. I don't care about this job. My boss is treating me like this. Uh, my spouse is like this. My boyfriend and my girlfriend is treating me like this. Uh, my school is like this and it's difficult. I'm out of here. I didn't sign up for this. I'm better than this. And I'm out of here. I'm not sticking around. And for some of you, the word that you need this morning in your season is to stay. Because you didn't expect the circumstances surrounding this. But you still need to stay in it. Because God has something in this season. God has something. In James chapter number 1, verse number 2, the Bible says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. And for some of you, you're saying, God, I want you to make me patient. Just make me patient right now. Just hurry up. I'm, I, I don't have a lot of patience. And I'm with you there. Somebody, if they don't, with that light turns green, if they're in front of me, they've got 1.5 milliseconds to step on the gas and get going. Otherwise, I tell you what, my hand will be on that horn so fast. I was driving past when I saw one of you church members. I won't, I won't say who, but I, I, it was early in the morning. I was pulled up right next to them, and I could see them. They were drinking their coffee, and they were, it was early in the morning. And, man, I'm laying on the horn trying to get his attention, and I'm just hitting the horn, and I'm waving like this. And all of a sudden, the cop in front of me didn't like that. Because I was totally oblivious. I was trying to get this guy's attention. And then there's a police officer. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I was trying to get his. And by that time, he's already gone. So I just look like a moron at that point, you know. So, But maybe you're saying, I'm just not a patient person. For me, I just struggle with these things. But I want you to understand the definition of the word patience means to remain under. Because God has something he wants to teach you as you remain under. Under some of you that work out, some of you that exercise, you'll know this phrase because when you exercise, when you work out, if you're going to build muscle, you have to what? Remain under the weight. You can't just look at the weight and say, oh, baby, yes, I feel it. Oh, yes, I feel stronger. It's not going to happen. You have to get under the weight. And as you're under that weight and as you feel that pressure and as the muscle in the sinew is being stretched, at that point, you are now building muscle muscle as the muscle is tearing and it doesn't feel good at that point you are now getting stronger but you can't get stronger you can't develop as you just simply say hey well I'm, I'm out of here on this trial because God is trying to teach you something in this season and for you to say well I'm out of this season God says then you're missing what I'm trying to teach you and for some of you the temptation to say well 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 I, I, I don't want to be a part of this church or I don't want to go over there and I don't want to stay in my Bible reading and you're saying I don't want to be in this situation, I don't want to check out because I want an easier season. And can I speak to that for a second? Notice this. Each season has a struggle I don't see. Because for many of you, you may look around this auditorium or maybe at your job or maybe in your neighborhood and you'll see somebody else and you're going to start thinking to yourself, I want their season. I want to be them. I want to drive their car. I want to have her boyfriend, her spouse, 
his wife. I want to have that office. And you start looking at them and you start envying them and you start wishing to be them. Touch the person next to you and say, I don't want to be you. And if that offended them, touch them and say, and you don't want to be me. Because there's a struggle in this season that you're not aware of. Because there's something I have to deal with that nobody else knows. There's stuff I'm going through that the rest of the world may think, man, their life is so great. It's so easy. It must be so cool to be a pastor. I mean, they just work one day a week, and it's like for 30 minutes. I mean, and there's this great little website. It's called sermons.com. I mean, just download, click. I mean, that's the job, man. I missed my calling. What was I thinking, you know? And we just kind of we just kind of envy other people, and we just kind of think, well, that's what I want to be when I grow up. But we're missing that everybody has a struggle that we don't see. You see, I like your fruit. I don't want your fight. Oh, yeah, yeah, I want to be able to play NBA with the NBA basketball players. Am I willing to spend all summer practicing 10, 12, 14 hours a day? No. I'll play like for three hours, but that's going to be on my Xbox, okay? I mean, let's be real here, all right? I'm not going to put in the sweat and the work. So as you go to your boss, as you go to your neighborhood, and you see somebody, you say, man, I want to be that. You don't know the struggle that they're going through. You don't know the difficulties that they faced. Understand, for Mary to make the trip to Bethlehem, she was pregnant, about to give birth, and she's riding a donkey. And I'm sure there was some lady just thinking to her husband, Mary's husband bought him a, her a nice donkey. What about ours? And I'm just thinking, you know, there's got to be those people that they were looking at something. And I can't imagine Mary having to make that journey. We've made trips in cars with my wife being pregnant, about to give birth. And she's like, go really slow. Just really slow. Otherwise, we will have a baby on our hands. All right. Just slow over the bumps. All right. Just take it really slow. It's not fun making a journey. And for some people would say, oh, man, must be so lucky. You see, Mary still had to go through the process and push. She still had to go through nine months. Her ankles still swole. You know what? She still had to have those cravings. She still had the baby kicking. She had to go through that nine months. So before we envy somebody, let's understand that they're going through a struggle. They're going through a season. They're going through something that I don't see and I'm not aware of. So before I start looking at somebody else saying, if I could only be them, why don't I just start saying, wait a minute, what about my season? I'm thankful for the season that God has given me because each season has a struggle I can't see. You see, comparison kills contentment. Comparison will always cause resentment. And comparison corrupts my enjoyment. I no longer enjoy my house because I see your house. Instead, I should just say, wait a minute, there's people in this world, they have no house. There's a guy, he comes here pretty regularly. He's been coming the last several weeks. His name's Leroy. Leroy lives behind the Chevron station across the street. And some of you have been so gracious to him, so kind to him. I've gone by several times just to kind of pick him up. And I love the fact that he talks about his church and he talks about us and he's, he's only been here a couple times. And he's like, oh, whenever I go, you guys always give me the extra donuts. And I don't know who's in charge of the donuts, but bless your heart. Thank you for doing that. It, it was something little and you didn't think anything of it. But here was a guy who has literally nothing. Go spend five minutes with him and you're going to love your house. I don't care what shape it is. Go spend five minutes with somebody who doesn't have a car and you're going to love your car. Go spend five minutes with somebody who's lost their children. You're going to love your children. Go spend five minutes with somebody who lost their relatives, and you're going to start to appreciate your relatives. 
Go to spend five minutes with somebody who doesn't have what you have, and all of a sudden, you'll begin to appreciate all that you have, and then you're going to start speaking things about your season that you never thought you would say. You're going to say, you know what? My job may not pay me enough. It may not be the best, but thank God that I have a job. You know, my help may not be perfect, but it's better than some. I'm not in a hospital this Christmas season. I get to be with my family this Christmas season, so I'm going to stop trying to look at everybody else and be jealous of their season. I'm going to thank God for my season. So each season has a struggle I don't see. Each season has a strength I can seize. You see, there's a strength in your season. There's something in your season that God's trying to teach you. There's something that God wants to build into your life. Instead of you looking at your season saying, wait a minute, I don't want to be here. God's saying, if you will stay, even though you don't like the circumstances surrounding this season, you will see that there is a strength that you can seize in this season. The question is, will you stay and seize that strength? Will you remain? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, 17, for our light affliction is but for a moment. And it works for us an exceeding and eternal weight of glory. You see, what you're going through has eternal dividends, the Bible says. It has exceeding great weight of glory. If we will stay, if we will remain. But for some of us, we're always looking at the past like it was so great. Or we'll wait until we can fast forward. I've shared this with you. I remember when I couldn't wait to get my driver's license. Just can't wait till I can drive. And then as soon as you get the driver's license, can't wait till I buy my car. Now I got to have a job. Can't wait till I get a job. Man, can't wait till I go to college because then I have freedom and I've got some money and I've got a car and I've got some freedom. Man, I can't wait till I'm married. Well, I'm married now, you know, and it's like, oh, just kidding. Just kidding. I have a wonderful marriage. I love my wife. She's here. I love you, baby. But some of you, that's what you do. You're always looking for that next season instead of seizing the strength in this season. Or you're looking back like, oh, man, it was really great back then. If we could just go back. I got a little game I want to play with you guys, okay? And before we pull up the next slide, don't pull it up just yet. This is called Name That Sound. Don't don't pull it up just yet. And as soon as you can name the sound, I want you just to raise your hand because I want to prove to you the past is not as good as you may have thought. It was, okay? And for some of you, you're going to get this. Can you go ahead and play the next slide? As soon as you got the sound, raise your hand. As soon as you got it. Keep those hands up. Keep those hands up. You remember. None of the students here, they're like, what? What is that? What? Huh? I got to listen a little bit longer. Like, yeah. What is that? You remember that? That's a dial-up modem. That's what we had to do to get on the internet. Remember those AOL CDs? 40, 50 hours? Some of you used to have that instant messenger, you know, you used to have those uh, IM, you have his name and everything to get into that. And I remember I'd had it ask my mom, hey, can I have the phone and I got to hook up or maybe you would just plug in the phone. Now you could hear it talking through your computer and everything. That's what we used to have to do. Wi-Fi is a good change. I'm thankful for Wi-Fi. It's awesome. We have it going on right now. You know, we use it for every Sunday. Wi-Fi is a good change. So there's a strength in the season. But if you were always looking at the past, we're never going to seize the strength, are we, church? It's a silly illustration, but make practical application to it. That what in your life is your th- are you thinking, man, if I just could go back. And I hear a lot of people tell me that. If I could just go back but have the knowledge, and if I could go back 10 years, I would have invented Twitter. Yeah. I would have invented Facebook. I would have invested in Apple. I would have worked out. I would have done this. 
The reality is you, you can go back because you have knowledge. You say that would improve and benefit my life. But here's the knowledge you do have. You do know that working out, eating right, spending time with your family, loving your spouse will give you a benefit. But do you do that? Oh, it just got real, didn't it? We, we want to go back and we want to make ourselves filthy rich. But instead of taking the knowledge that we do have and saying, hey, how can I make life better in the future? We don't do it. We know that spending time with God, we know that reading his word, we know that letting him speak to us will benefit us down the road. But instead, we're too busy wishing we could live in the past. Stop living in the past. Stop living. Start living in the season God has given you because he's given you a good season. And there's a strength that you need to seize in this season. And some of you, you're missing it. And I don't want you to walk out of here this Sunday morning, December 7th, and miss the strength that's in this season and miss the opportunity God has given you. He's given you one more day with that spouse. He's given you one more day with those children. He's given you one more day at this church. He's given you one more day to get right with him. He's given you one more day to make an impact in your community. He's given you one more day to enjoy this world. And what are you doing with it? Are you just going to look back and just wish you had something else? Or are you going to say, no, there's a strength to seize. And God help me, I am not going to miss it. I'm not going to go one more day and let that person stay mad at me. I'm not going to go one more day and continue in this argument with my spouse. We're going to get things right. And we're going to enjoy today because today is the day of the Lord. Today is a good day. And today I'm going to change it. I'm going to embrace that strength that's in this season. Come on, church. Is somebody with me this morning? You're saying, there's a strength that I'm going to seize today. God has something for you. Number three. I may not know his plan for this season, but I can trust his purpose. Please turn to Matthew chapter number one. I want you to see the kind of the unnamed character in this passage, and that's Joseph. And I know, I know, I know what the ladies are thinking. When we guys say, hey, we're having a baby, our wives always like, who's having a baby? Dude, you ain't doing nothing but keep her the ice chips, all right? I've got to take care of this baby. You're doing nothing, all right? It's your job to massage my back. It's your job to just kind of hold my hand so I can basically break it off. And it's, that's your job. So what you talking about? We having a baby. And I think sometimes Joseph kind of gets a bad rap a little bit. And so Matthew chapter number one, I want you to see something. Because for some of you, you're saying, man, this season, I, I, I don't know his plan. But I want you to walk out of this morning being able to trust his purpose. Notice this. The Bible says that Joseph, he had a mindset that once he found out, once he told his friend, hey, yeah, my fiance's pregnant, and all the guys were like, you gonna let her do you like that? Oh, no, 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 God got her pregnant. It's all right, guys, all right. You know, this was really tough for Joseph as well, okay? So notice what God does in verse number 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example. When it says public example, that means to stone her. Because that was in his right, to stone her, to have her put to death, okay? And here, he, he's a just man. He really does love her. And he said, no, I don't want to do that. But he's not sure about marrying her. He's on the fence. Notice what the Bible says. The Bible's interesting. Some of you are like, wow, I didn't know that was in here. Yeah, there's a lot of drama in the Bible. You should read it. It's good. Before they came together, she was found with child. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. This means just kind of divorce her, and she'll just kind of be a maid and just kind of live on her own for the rest of her life. But, verse 20, while he thought on these things, because he didn't understand the purpose. He couldn't make sense of God's plan. Why, why God? I'm trying to do everything right here. Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him, in a dream 
Now, can I get real, real, can I geek out in the Bible for a little bit? I hope you don't mind. I think this is awesome, okay? When it says the angel of the Lord came, that is a pre-incarnate Jesus. That's who it is. Not God, it's Jesus, pre-incarnate, okay? No flesh, but it's Jesus. Jesus is meeting with Joseph, meeting with him, to tell him, I'm going to be born to Mary. That just blows my mind, that here's Jesus in Mary's womb, developing, but then he's also over here meeting with his stepdad. That's just awesome. Some of you are like, no, I don't get it. You'll get it on the way home. It's all right. Go ahead. And he said, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall, and here's the purpose. Here's the purpose of it all. If you're still sitting here saying, I don't get why Joseph had to go through it. God is so good and gave Joseph the purpose in verse number 21, for he shall save his people from their sins. Joseph, you get to be a part of changing the world, Joseph. Throw that away. You don't understand my plan, but God gave him a glimpse of his purpose. And right now, God, for some of you, wants to reveal his purpose. (coughs) Will you allow God to speak to you? Will you allow God to show you why you're in this season? Will you allow him to help you make sense of it all? There's a great old Southern Gospel song, and it's sung by Brian Free, and it says this. It says, there will come a day No more sight, no more night, no more sin, no sorrow, no more longing for tomorrow. Oh, my child, there will come a day. There will come a day when we understand it. There will come a day where we say, well, why did I have to go through all of that? Why does it seem like my life is so jacked up? God, why does it seem like I had to go through that? And God's saying, stick with me. I'll show you the purpose. You don't understand my plan, but I will show you my purpose. This is not just pointless pain. And maybe for some of you, you should write that down. And if you don't like taking notes, write it down anyways. God doesn't allow pointless pain. What you're going through is not just arbitrary. It's not God just pulled it out of his head just thinking, hey, yeah, that person seems like life's going too good for them. Got to send them a little headache. Got to send them a little car accident. Got to send them a little uh, 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 bills here. No, God is saying, hey, there's a purpose for it. I've got a purpose for your life. I've got a plan for you. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord, the prophet, saying, God had a purpose. You see, for Joseph, it seemed like this is just, just doesn't make sense. There's a great old story. I don't know how true it is. I'll be honest. I got out of a book, so you just bear with me. There's a little old lady, didn't have much, lived, lived on her own. And uh, she gave the last little bit of money she had to the church. She gave it at a special offering. She gave it. And she had nothing. And she was praying in her little old house, and the, the house, the walls are so thin, you can almost hear through it. And she had this atheist neighbor, just couldn't stand God, wanted nothing to do with God. And she's praying, and she's saying, Lord, I, I gave away everything I had to you, and Lord, I need some groceries. I need some groceries. Well, uh, she made the prayer, and that, that, that old atheist was like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to shake her faith. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get her to believe that there is no God. So that atheist went and bought her groceries, and then put them on her door, rang the doorbell, and then he ran and hid. And then he was waiting to see what happened. And that old lady took her a little while. She came, opened the door, and there were those groceries. And there she started to go back to Costal. She started to get so excited. She started to jump up and down. She started to wave her hand and said, God did it. God did it. God did it. 
And then all of a sudden, that old atheist, he came out, and he was like, huh, I got you. God didn't do that. I did it. There is no God. I did it. And that old lady, she kept on jumping up and down. She was like, God did it. God did it. And he used the devil's money to pay for it. God did it. See, God's working your situation. And for some of you, you need to see that he's got a purpose for this. But I want to leave you with some final closing thoughts. For some of you, your season seems like an interruption. But I want you to understand something. You write this down, Christian. Life's interruptions are God's invitations. Because God wants to lead you into a deeper relationship. God wants to lead you into greater ministry. God wants to take you where you're at and to get you to the next level. And if you don't believe that, don't come to this church because we believe that you are here so that we can go to the next level. We don't believe that we just kind of sit, soak, and sour. That's not what this church is all about. And if that's what you're all about, I can tell you a lot of other good churches. But we're a church that says, yeah, we want to go to the next level. Yeah, I'm not content where my life is at. I'm not content with where my relationship is at. I want to have a better relationship. I want a better walk with God. I want a better marriage. I want to raise better kids i want a better life and i need more of god and we believe that this church will help you get to that next level so don't see this season as an interruption see it as an invitation to god's greater plan for your life and if you don't believe that church stick around here and you will believe it after a while because we'll help you believe it because that's our only hope we started this church a year ago with nothing nothing church we didn't have sound equipment we didn't have screens we didn't have any equipment we had no money we just had a dream we just had a vision and we just believed that god would do something if some people decided we're crazy enough to go meet in a theater people don't meet in churches in a theater we're crazy we'll get some coffee and we'll get some donuts we'll pass out some flyers and we'll invite some people and you guys showed up and we're excited because we get to have church and god's doing something and we're going to that next level and we want to see lives change we've seen people that come to this church gotten remarried gotten baptized gotten saved their lives have been turned around why because god says the interruptions an invitation and i want to do something great in your life so stop looking at this season and thinking man it's a stinking season i hate this season i want out of this season god said no 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 this is the prequel to something greater to something better to something higher church you see life's interruptions are really god's invitations in disguise also i don't have to understand fully to obey immediately for some of you, you're thinking, well, well, I, I don't know if I should follow this. I don't know if I should go all the way. Stop sitting here and thinking you've got to have it all mapped out to obey God. Some of you are far more educated above your ability to just obey. You know so much more about the Bible, but yet you're still struggling to obey the simple things, to obey the little things. Husbands, love your wives. Husbands, be kind to your children. Just simple things that we just get bogged down with. And instead of just saying, wait a minute, how can I just take the simple truths and do better with that? You see, you need to understand that I don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. Joseph just said, okay, I don't understand it fully. I kind of get it. I get, I, it kind of makes sense. Step out on faith. Oh, man, I was reading in Matthew chapter uh, number six, seven, one of those chapters, Peter walking on water. And I always thought, that Peter walked on water, and Peter didn't walk on water. You're saying, whoa, I knew it, heresy in the church, I'm out. No, 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 he didn't walk on water. Do you honestly believe that water, like, hardened or something? No, here's what Peter really walked on. He said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come out on the water. And Jesus said, come. Peter did not walk on water, he walked on the word. He put his faith on the word that God said, come out on the water. That's what he's walking on. 
So this morning, I'm not just saying, hey, here's the opportunity. Just close your eyes and go. Based on the word of God, you go forward. We are based on the word of God. We don't just kind of idly just kind of make up ideas. We say, what does the word of God say? And we're going to walk on that because that's where our faith comes from. That's where our power comes from. That's what changes things. It's the word of God. And we want to make sure that's central to our hearts and that's in our lives. And lastly, I am responsible for my obedience and God is responsible for the outcome. I'm responsible for my obedience. God is responsible for the outcome. So in your season, you get to choose your response and let God handle the outcome. God could do some amazing things. God's bank account's bigger than yours. God can take care of you. God's stronger than you. He's more powerful than you. He's your father. He loves you. He hasn't given up on you. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. You're welcome. You're welcome here. We want you here. We'll love you. And God says, I'll take you where you're at because you are special. You're my child. I died for you. I don't care what the past has done to you. God says, from this moment forward, you're changed. You're a new creature. And I want to do something great in your life. And that's why you're here this morning. You're here to hear that message that it doesn't matter because you came to a church that's full of screwed up people. You say, wait, wait, wait a minute, I don't like, that's what I am. Maybe not you, but I know I am. And we're here to say, God, we need you. We need you. Every day, we need you. I can't go another day unless I have you. I, I couldn't sleep the other day, just burdened, just burdened, just praying, just praying. Because I knew that I just needed more of God. Not, bigger, not more money, I just needed God. We're desperate for God at this church. Because we believe that this Christmas... That this year, what we're going through, and you're thinking, I won't survive the holidays. I just won't make it. I want you to understand it's seasonal. How do you make it through? I don't get to choose the reason, but I can choose my response. I may not like the circumstances surrounding this season, but I can stay committed. And then we saw, I may not know his plan, but I can trust his purpose. And he's got a great purpose for you. He's got a great plan for you. And we're excited. We're thrilled that you would be here, that you would see a glimpse of all that God has for you. Let's pray.